Today we're going to continue our focus on prayer, purpose, and possibilities. And we learn that as we go deeper with God, drawing nearer to Him, we find our purpose and we start to see a world full of possibilities. A world full of possibilities. And often what limits God here in, in our time and space is our unwillingness to submit to God's will and ways. Our unwillingness and what stops us from going deeper with God is often fear, lack of faith, unbelief, stubbornness, disobedience, right? A list of things that you can probably think of which hinder, hinder that meeting, hinder that time with, with God, between you and God. And many of us have misunderstandings of these things, especially spiritual things. And if we were to have a greater understanding of these things, right, maybe we wouldn't fear as much. Maybe we wouldn't complain as much. Maybe we wouldn't grumble as much. Maybe we'd be open up to more of the things of the Lord and be more involved in what He has for us. So I've been, I decided to do a short uh, series on spiritual warfare, and that's where we're at, spiritual warfare, uh, to expose the devil and the demons in their schemes and in their plans, but also to reveal God and God's purpose and God's plans and God's authority uh, in this process as well. So we know the devil came to seek kill and destroy, right? He's on a destruction mission, right? Satan came to take life and to, to destroy the works of God, and yet he wants to be like God. So he wants to destroy the works of God, yet he wants to be like God. But we know that Jesus came to seek and save. He came on a rescue mission. Jesus is God and came to, to give life, uh, abundant life, and destroy the works of the devil, the devil came to destroy your life. Jesus came to save your life. And we know that Jesus died on the cross and three days later he arose, resurrected by the power of God. Um, he took back, he took our shame and pain and suffering on that cross and he did it to really set us free uh, from Satan's grip and Satan's bondage, right? And Satan's stronghold and give us access to God. And a forever relationship with God and the Lord Jesus Christ. That doesn't mean that life is perfect and we become perfect people on earth. There are still so many battles that we need, that need to be won. Um, these battles take place on earth as well in the heavenlies. We know that scripture says that, right? Every day of our life, there are battles that are going on. It's a matter of life and death. We need to understand this. We need to understand what's happening around us, both in the natural realm as well as the spiritual realm. We often view and experience nature and the world through our five senses. Uh, we hear, we feel, we smell, right? Our taste, touch, right? Um, but it's not only these things. It's not only in the natural realm that things are happening. There's spiritual battles that are taking place every day. And many of us are just simply not aware of it. Uh, we don't understand what's really happening. And because we don't see it, and we might not really understand how we're feeling, or we just can't understand it, we don't worry about it, we don't think about it, and for many, they don't even believe it. But the enemy of God is the enemy of all believers. Regardless if you understand it or not, it's real. Regardless if you can see him or not, the devil, the Satan, and his demons are not, the enemy's real. Regardless if you want to fight this fight or not, it's a real fight. It's a real battle. And we see the results of it all around us, right? Sin abounds all around us. Lawlessness abounds. Crimes, right, against humanity are growing. Anxiety is up. Depression is up. Suicide is up. Sickness in many ways is up. Hopelessness is up. And we can give a, lift, a list of many of these uh, of, of, of people that we know and we see and these things that are suffering here and even around the world there's great suffering and Satan's power is running really out of control and wild in today's society and it's going to get worse church it will get worse as time draws closer to the end these things these uprisings are going to happen and so what are you going to do about it what are you saints of God going to do about it and some say well we can't stop this fight so why try fighting it? Why try fighting it? I think that's a defeated mindset. 
uh, yielding to the enemy's goal, right? To make you uh, cow down, to make you fear, to make you not realize that you have a place in this. And as long as you think there's nothing that you can do about it, that nothing's going to change, nothing really will change, and you're operating in unbelief. Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. And I believe we're supposed to do the same. We're supposed to rise up every day and get, Lord, what is your will for me today? And there's times, many times daily that we're doing battle. And I say, change your mindset and you'll change your destiny. Change your mindset and you change your destiny. Again, some of that is natural thinking if we're not careful, right? That statement in a way is limited because if we operate, because we do operate both in the natural realm and the spiritual realm. So we need wisdom from God as we operate, aligning with his will, with his words, with his plan. We got to operate in the power and the authority of God. And then all things are are possible, right? The sky's the limit. And 2 Corinthians verse 3 and 17 says, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Amen? But too often we're in bondage and, and we're trying to fight this spiritual battle with natural weaponry. And it just doesn't work. It doesn't work, church. It doesn't work. And when the Christian fight spiritual battles with natural weapons, we become weak. We become ineffective. And at times we're defeated, at times we want to quit, at times we want to get up, especially when we're operating in the natural. But we must change the way we think, we must change the way we act, we must change the way we do things, we must change the way we fight, we must change the way we see the world and we see our role and function within that world, this world. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 4 and 5 you know this, the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ Jesus. Our fight is, is not a natural fight, church, right? And therefore, it can't be fought with natural weapons. We must take our thoughts captive and make them obedient to Jesus Christ. We are to be involved in the miracle process. That's the way I see it. We're supposed to be involved in the process, in the prayer, in the praise, in the encouragement, going out. We're supposed to take every thought captive. It's not just, it's not just natural thinking, but it's supernatural. It must be supernatural. It must be done in the spiritual realm. It must be done through Jesus Christ. This means we start focusing and meditating on God's word, and we do this daily. Now start feeding your mind, right? What are you chewing on? Feeding your mind godly things, pure things, good things, excellent things, right? Whatever is excellent, praiseworthy, the Bible says, think on these things. We must submit and obey to God's will, to God's plan and purpose for our lives. We must be people who are called into action, not stagnation, but action. And while we'll win some of the battles in the natural realm, we will win some of those battles. Listen, it's only temporary victories, right? Your natural efforts can only take you so far. The natural man, the cardinal man can only take you so far. And because of that, we often stay broken. We often stay insulated and isolated and confused and in bondage, right? Your mind and body must, must submit to the power and the authority of God. Amen. Romans 12 and 2 says, Do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what is God, what God's will is, His good and pleasing and perfect will. Oh, what can I do? Submit to His ways. Be transformed by renewing of your mind. There's are things that we need to do. Be transformed in the mind. It's not a natural thing. It's a spiritual thing. It's a God thing. You cannot fight these battles with just natural weaponries and thinking. We must yield to the spirit and power of God. And so what happens if we have access to the spiritual weapons? What happens if we have unlimited supply and power that will never run out. What happens if we were able to submit to this unlimited supply of promises and provisions that are in heaven that wants to be poured out on you and poured out on earth? What happens? We'll start winning more battles. Amen. We'll start winning more battles. We'll start our life 
We'll start looking differently. Our attitudes and our behaviors must change. They have to change. Our priorities and our focuses have to change. They must be different. We need to prioritize it in Jesus' name. And I believe the answer to all these questions are yes, yes. Things will start changing in Jesus' name. But it won't happen by chance. It won't happen with just natural thinking or or natural weaponry. We need to be immersed in the things of God. We need to be moved and and motivated by the power of God. And this morning I'm calling this message, Power Up. Power up, church. We need to power up, power up. We're going to be speaking about the Holy Spirit today. I hope that's okay for a Pentecostal church. I hope that's okay, all right? Today is Pentecost Sunday, and it's a perfect day to remember what happened to the early church, right? They were filled And they were empowered by God. And we know that the world changed. They were filled and empowered by God. We need to be filled and empowered by God as well. So regardless of what your upbringing is, regardless of what your background is, regardless of what your tradition has been for many, many years, regardless of what you've been taught maybe in school or whatever, I'm asking you to listen today. Listen to these words today that's being said and focus on Scripture and the Holy Spirit. Let the Holy Spirit to guide you and lead you in all truth. And then ask yourself, does God want, does God want more for you? Does God want more for me? Does God want more for this church? Amen. And does it and is there more to come after salvation? The answer is yes. Of course there is. It doesn't end there, right? He has more for us. And he has a well of provisions that he wants to give us and provide for us. Every spiritual blessing is at our exposure. He has more for us after salvation. Salvation is only the beginning of the journey with the Lord. It's not the end. More to come. There's more to come, church. There's more to do. There's more to experience. There's more to learn, right? There's more. I need my cup running over, right? There's more that's coming your way if you open up your heart and mind to the Lord Jesus Christ. He wants more from you. He wants to go deeper with you. He wants a more intimate relationship with you. If this is true, and it is, then the next question is, do you want the more? Do you want the more, right? I know I do. I want the more for me. I want the more for my family. I want the more for this church family. I want more for for the saints of God. And I know if I want more for me and for you and for everyone else, you know the Lord wants even more. Hallelujah. Jesus told his disciples in Acts chapter 1, wait, wait, wait for this gift the Father has promised. And they were saved both in an Old Testament way and a New Testament way. And they're already saved. And so it's important to get this. The spirit baptism follows salvation. It follows salvation. If you're saved and you have repented, right, for your sins, you would then have invited Jesus into your heart and life. You now, you now recognize Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You're born again. You're saved. You understand that he died on the cross for your sins. He rose again. He's now seated at, Father, at the right hand of Father God, right? And, and you are now saved. You invited Jesus into your heart and you asked him to, to lead you and to guide you and to help you and to be your Lord and Savior. You are a child of of God. And at that point you are saved. At that point you are you receive the Holy Spirit. Immediately you receive that Holy Spirit. Now you can receive Christ as your Lord and Savior anytime while you're living on earth, while you're still alive. But once you die, once you go, once you die, right, everything changes. The decision that you made here is locked and loaded for eternity. So if you don't know Jesus when you die as Lord and Savior, not that you know of him, but as Lord and Savior, you have a major problem. Let me be clear. Salvation, at salvation, the Spirit of God resides in you. But that's not the end of the journey. There's more to come. We are to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. More to come. And this power needs to be activated daily in your life. More to come. It's ongoing, right? More to come. Ongoing to life. More to come. We must learn to power up, church. Power up, right? And stay, and stay close to Jesus. Stay close to him. Press in more with him. Jesus is the one that's going to move us. Stay close to him. All right, would you stand with me? We're going to be in the book of Joel, chapter 2. We're going to learn about the Holy Spirit today. 
And afterwards, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old, your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. I will show wonders in heaven and on earth, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I love that scripture right there. Anyone, everyone, all people who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, right? And so I believe that in my heart, right? And if you're not saved, if you're not born again, right, you just cry out to Jesus and he will save you. Speak to him from your heart and turn your life over to him and you will know where you stand if you're in right standing with him that's all you need to do is just turn to him ask him to forgive you of your sins and you shall be saved like i believe that and so let's pray and let's get into this this message father god may you illuminate our hearts may you free our mind so that we can receive more of you today in jesus name amen you may be seated. The first thing I want to speak about is understanding the spirit, Numa. Verse 28 says, Afterwards I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. And there can be various meanings to this portion of scripture right here. Afterwards, afterwards, what does that mean? But I do believe it's after repentance and the finished work at the cross at Calvary. People are saved and they receive the Holy Spirit afterwards. After what? After the resurrection of Jesus Christ. There's going to be a great pouring out of the Spirit. And we know the day of Pentecost is happening after Joel's writing, right? The prophet's writing. And when we read about Pentecost in a little while... It, it, it makes reference to this portion of scripture in the book of Joel. Afterwards, afterwards I pour out my, my spirit. Afterwards. And this word spirit here is, is the Old Testament is ruach. Or the Greek word is pneuma. And these words have many meanings like wind and breath or spirit. And forgive me for my, for my Greek because you know whatever but but we know that you can look up those words and get the, the right pronunciation of it right but we know it's like wind and breath and, or, or spirit but actually there's many shades and nuances of this word like breeze and moving of, of air like like life energy or life-giving energy and you will find these words to be fluid words, moving words, right? It's, it's an action word. It's not stagnant. When the, it's action, right? Acts 1.8, they will receive power. And this word power in the Greek is what? It's dunamis power. It's, it's, it's dynamite. It's dunamis power. It's, a, it's explosive power, right? It's supernatural. The supernatural starts taking place. Dunamis power, right? After that, the Holy Spirit's power, dunamis power is released afterwards when the Holy Spirit appears in scripture things start to happen God's power is released right it's released and miracles and signs and wonders and salvations and and the great move of God starts to follow so so when you read I will pour out my spirit you need to understand very clearly something is about to take place something is about to happen the atmosphere is starting to change something's about to change someone is about to change things are about to change the spirit is starting to move something is going to change it's going to be released in the atmosphere it's going to be released in your hearts it's going to be released in this church to be released in society as we start pressing in and going deeper with god things will change hallelujah in Genesis chapter 1, in the beginning, God created. He created. He moved, right? The heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. Again, Holy Spirit is moving. He's seen moving, right? These are action, action. Something's happening. It's reasonable to also understand the, the Trinity at work here. The Father, the Son, and Holy Spirit all in creation, all operating here, all, all um, in the creation process. We know throughout Scripture that we have words to describe Holy Spirit, like judge, to instruct, to guide, to exhort, to reprove, to convict people of sin. All these words, doing, action, moving words. Spirit came upon people, moving, 
action, right? Action words, they moved, moved, they were moved. Samson is a great story. When you think of Samson, right away you start thinking of action. You start thinking of power, you start thinking of strength. And the Spirit of God came upon him, right? But it wasn't about his hair, church, right? It was, it, but it was about his God. And it was about the release of power in him. Power didn't reside in him permanently. The power did not reside in his hair. He lost his power through disobedience and lack of understanding and maybe lack of faith. In other words, God had plans for Samson. But Samson was disobedient. And not only did he suffer, but others suffered because of him. And later on in Judges 16, we learned that he was captured and he was tortured. Verse 28 says that Samson prayed to the Lord, O sovereign Lord, Remember me, O God, please strengthen me just one more time and let me with one blow get revenge on the Philistines for my two eyes. So the power and strength of Samson comes from the spirit of the Lord. Not his hair and not physical strength. It was supernatural power from God. In Judges 6 verse 34 we learned the spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon. Yes. He was encouraged, amen. He was ready. He was empowered by the spirit of God. He was empowered to do battle. And throughout scripture, we see the spirit of God working and doing and moving. He points people to Jesus. He convicts people of sin. He comes alongside. He's our paraclete, right? This Greek word parakletos is to come alongside like, like an advocate, like, like a lawyer, giving counsel. Some say he's like a military soldier watching his side, watching your back, right? He comes alongside giving counsel. The Spirit of God is like a teacher, a helper, a guide, convicting people of all sin, right? Bringing them into repentance and salvation. The Holy Spirit is represented here with oil and fire and water. Oil was used with kings and prophets, right? During the anointing process. When Jesus was baptized, the scripture tells us a dove, which is symbolic of the Holy Spirit, landed on him. The writers of the Bible were inspired by the Holy Spirit, and they were able to write these holy scriptures. Often, the Spirit gave wisdom. The Spirit gave counsel. The Spirit gave understanding. More and more and more. And we know this is just a partial list. And a partial list of gifts is found in 1 Corinthians, verse 12, and other places in the Bible. But verse 7 of 1 Corinthians says, Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for common good. For common good. And verse 11 says, all of these are the works of one and the same spirit, the same Holy Spirit. And he gives them to each one just as he determines. When the Spirit of God shows up, things take place. Action starts happening. Things start moving. They start shifting. The atmosphere starts changing. You can't stand in his presence and, and, and just be angry. He will move you on. He will move you to him. Or you will move away from him. This upsets people, this topic. Because it, it does something inside of them they don't understand. So you either move to the Lord or you move away from the Lord. These gifts are given to people for common good. For empowerment. To fulfill our calling and, and, and the ministries that we're involved in. And so many people are failing in their ministries because they haven't been empowered by the Holy Spirit. They're operating in the natural realm. And therefore they're angry and they're grumbling and they're complaining. And they can't seem to get focus or movement, right? At salvation, you're just beginning to learn and grow. There's more to come. Can you say more to come? There's more to come, right? You're beginning to desire more of God. You want a closer relationship with God. Now in these last days we learn something is about to happen. What? I will pour out my spirit. God is saying I will pour out my spirit, right? In fact, we know that Jesus is the great baptizer. Jesus who is God. He's the one who's pouring out the spirit, right? His spirit. Jesus saves. Jesus is the great baptizer. The Holy Spirit is the one doing the convicting, right? Convicting people of their sin and takes and, and, and causing action, right? And points people to Jesus Christ in these last days. In these last days, right? Jesus will pour out his spirit 
on all flesh, on all people, right? There's going to be a great move of God, a powerful move of God, a great revival, a great awakening in these last days. And these last days have actually already started. We are now living in those last days. Amen. And so it has already started more to come. More is coming more to come. We should expect more. We should desire more. We should want more to come. Lots of things have already happened, but there's more things that are going to happen in Jesus name. It happened in the past and it's going to happen again. Now, while the Bible says, I will pour out, I want you to listen to this. While I will pour out my spirit on all people, we must understand that not all people will be saved. So this pouring out of the spirit is not actually on every person that's on the earth. I don't believe in uh, universalism, which means that everyone's going to be saved. So his spirit is going to be poured out on those who believe. Those who are saved, those who are set free, those who are willing to yield to the Holy Spirit, those who are already covered under the blood of the Lamb, those who are already saved, right? For example, people today, they don't believe in Jesus. People today, they don't believe in miracles. They don't believe that gifts are for today. They don't believe or want more. They believe they got everything already. Oh, I'm, I'm done. I got everything I already want. So they're not waiting for anything more. They're not expecting for anything more. In fact, many have this attitude. If God wants to bless me with more, he can just do it, right? He can give me the gift if he wants to give me the gift. There's nothing else that I need to do. I'm saved. But let me tell you something. Just like salvation, he doesn't force himself on you. You need to activate your faith. You need to trust in the, the blood of the lamb. You need to take steps of faith, you invite him into your heart and you ask for supernatural spiritual gifts. You seek the, the, and desire, right, more of God. You wait in his presence, you pray, you praise, you worship, right? You listen to his voice and you say, let me hear you more. Let me understand you more. You expect him to move. You expect him to show up. I expect you to grow up. No one has a child that says, I don't expect you to grow up. There's more to happen. There's more growth that needs to follow. Many are scared of, the, of this baptism because they don't understand it. Or they're very narrow or shallow in their thinking about it. They simply think, it's not for today. But God wants you to go deeper with him. He has more for us and more after salvation, more to come. Listen. Salvation gets you into heaven. It gets eternity with God. And it is the most important thing to be saved and set free in a child of God. But if that was just the end and there was nothing else coming our way, then we should be immediately taken to glory. We're born again. We should be taken to glory to spend eternity with him. In a sense, as believers, that's right. It's already happening. We no longer are to live for self. We are to die to self, right? We are to die for self, to self, and now we live for Jesus Christ. So we walk and we talk and we have that relationship with Jesus Christ, and that relationship never ends. It's for eternity now. So once you're saved, you already begun that eternal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. So we follow him, we serve him, we model him. We should desire more of him, right? Whatever he has for us, that's what's best for us. And that's what we should desire. Whatever he has for me, that is what I want. And that's what's best for me. So trust him. Listen to him. Don't fight him. And so at salvation, you receive the Holy Spirit. But here in the book of Joel, it's speaking about a future time, a time in the future where God's spirit and power is going to be poured out on all people. It's going to be poured out in a greater measure, a greater way, but not by force, right? Not, not, he's not going to force those who are not saved. This spirit baptism comes after salvation. And those who want more from God, those who want more in power, those who want spiritual gifts, more gifts, not natural ones. So we, so we have access to salvation and his gifts. But not all will receive salvation and his gifts. Often simply, lack of faith and unbelief. So this pouring out of the flesh, this, right, on all nations, means on all nations, all people everywhere, from all backgrounds of, of life, on men and women, right, young and old, sons 
and daughters, rich and poor, educated and the uneducated, often on free and enslaved, regardless of race, regardless of color or national origin. God's power will fall on all of them. But after salvation, salvation first, then baptism. In the same way, we believe that water baptism follows salvation, right? That's what we teach. That's what we believe. We believe that you're saved first, then water baptism. So water baptism comes after salvation out of obedience and actionable steps of faith. You're saved first, you're water baptized. You're saved first, then you're spirit baptized, or what we call being baptized in the Holy Spirit. This baptism and empowerment follows salvation. It does not precede it. It's gonna be worldwide. For sure. We're all going to have access to it if we want it. And I personally believe a great move of God is going to take place towards repentance. That's what's going to take place first, a great move of God. Many are going to come into the kingdom of God. Many are going to be saved. But many saints of God, listen up, many saints of God believers are going to be called to repentance. Not for salvation, but, sal but repentance, right? Because they're going to be made aware of their sins. They're going to be made aware of their rebellion. They're going to be made aware of things too. And so a great revival and awakening is going to take place, not only in the world, but in God's church. And after this repentance and salvation will come, the spirit baptism will flow. And a greater move of God, he will empower you or endue you with power from on high. Luke 24, 49. To baptize means immerse. Fully immerse. All in, soaking wet, right? Water baptized, you're soaking wet from your head to your toes, soaking wet. So when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, you're immersed in the Spirit of, of God. From head to toe, salvation is that inner work. When you jump in a pool, you're not, you're not, your insides are not getting wet. Your outside's getting wet. You're already saved inside. Salvation to inner work. At salvation, you receive the Holy Spirit. Now, during the Spirit baptism, you're soaking wet with His presence, with His purpose, with His plan for your life. You're walking in, and, and walking in His power, walking in His authority in a greater way, in a fuller way. There's still more to come, church. More to come, right? And so once you're baptized, this is not the end of your journey. Oh, people wear this like a trophy. I was baptized. Nothing more I need to do. It's just not true. There's more to come, right? Press in. Power up church, right? Fill up church, right? Allow his presence to permeate you on the inside and on the outside. And when that happens, people will see it. People will know it, right? It will be a sign to you. Now, let me say this too. The Holy Spirit is not a force. The force be with you. No. He's a person. He's God. He could be grieved. He could be resisted, right? Ephesians 4 verse 30 says, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. And when they deny the Holy Spirit work, when you deny this work, and you deny access to, uh, to God in your life, you grieve Him. You resist Him. Church, God has more for you. And when you buckle up and you want to fight Him, and say that you don't want his power, that you don't want his more, that, that you're just going through the routine in life and you don't really care about having more, you don't really care about walking in his ways, you don't really care about being faithful, you don't really care to do more, you grieve the Holy Spirit. Now while you might not understand the Holy Spirit, understand this, after salvation, he has more for you. After salvation, he has more from you. you. There's more for you to receive after salvation. You're saved, but he has more for you, right? More for you to do. More for you to be empowered with, right? Get ready, get ready, get ready, church, right? Ready for service, ready for giving, ready for doing, ready for operating in his will, ready. 
and powered up to do it, right? Not, not I can't do it, but I can do it. Not I can't do it, but I want to do it, right? We need to be ready to fight sin, ready to combat evil, ready to live the life that we are called to live, right? And we cannot do this on empty. We cannot do this tired. We need to power up church, right? We need to be powered up and we need to be ready to do this, not with just natural weapons, right? That can only go so far, but we need to do it through the power and strength and authority of God. Hallelujah. Now I want to say this as well, that the timing of this chapter in the book of Joel can jump centuries as we read it. In fact, when you read the Bible, sometimes it's so hard because centuries can be, can be jumped. Millennial, right? It's crazy. And, and, and we see this in Joel's timing, right? And, and now he goes to a future time period, which he jumps to the day of Pentecost and prophesies about a future time, the day of Pentecost. But he's also talking about a future, future time out there, right, with cosmic signs and, and the Lord takes place um, and, and on the day of the Lord that takes place. And uh, so this timing just doesn't always seem to be so clear. And so let's jump to, to Pentecost, understanding Pentecost, understanding Pentecost. What is it? What happened? Why? In Acts chapter 1, verse 4 and 5, Jesus tells us of a future promise that's to come by God. On occasion, while they were eating with them, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father has promised, which you have heard me speak about. Jesus is speaking about this. For John baptized, baptized water, but in a few days you will be baptized in the Holy Spirit. So again, we see two baptisms here. We see water baptism and we see spirit baptism baptism, which is being baptized in the Holy Spirit. I hope this is a clear teaching. I, I, hope, I hope it is. Verse, verse 8 says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you'll be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in all Judea, and Samaria, to the other parts of the earth, to the ends of the earth. Again, we see some clues happening here regarding Pentecost and following. It's a gift from God. It's not natural. It's supernatural. So sometimes you're like, well, something's wrong. I don't feel natural. It's supernatural. It's supernatural, right? And with the gifts comes supernatural power. Power up, right? Comes power, power to witness, power to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. And I will say power to live rightly. If you want more from God, you need to power up. If you're struggling with things, you need to power up. If you're having problems with sin in your life and not following Holy Scriptures, you need to go deeper with God. We can't, we can't do this walk alone. You don't just walk into the store or a church and say, power me up. It doesn't work like that, right? We must wait, wait for him, pray, pray, right? It's all in God's perfect timing. We must want it. We must expect it. Look, it's like getting in a way, let me just give it this way. It's like get, getting a, a check, a large check deposited into your bank account the money's there. You know it's there, right? You, it's for you. It's meant for you. It's sitting in that account, right? But, but you never activate it. You never go into the account and, and receive the benefit of it. It's there, and it's fully there, and it was fully meant for you, but you just never activate it. You never receive it. You never really benefit from it being there. We must follow Christ's instructions and trust his words. Wait for it. Press in for it. Wait for it. When we get to Acts chapter 2, we see the fulfillment of the promise is happening. The day of Pentecost came, and that together in one place, suddenly a sound, like a blowing of a violent wind, came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire, like flames come down, that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled. They were baptized. They were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Well, the Spirit gave them utterance, right? And this, this speaking in tongues was an unlearned language as the Holy Spirit enabled them as, uh, and gave them this new ability to speak a certain way. But listen, this was not a new language in which they can just talk to many people in the neighborhood, right? This wasn't speaking out for multiple languages to witness in that, in that situation. The speaking in tongues, the, the, listen up, the speaking in tongues was not the power. We misunderstand that. It's a sign. It's not the power. It's a sign. It's an indication that they are being baptized, that they're being filled. And many get caught up in seeking the tongue instead of seeking the Savior. Amen. 
But you got to get that today. Too many of our Christian friends are seeking the tongue, but not seeking the Savior and the Spirit. Baptism, well, this is good stuff. i got to tell you, speaking in tongues followed the baptism in the Holy Spirit throughout the book of Acts. I wish I had more of this teaching when I was a young lad. i got to tell you, again, this is not salvation. This follows salvation. Now, Jesus taught about this and said, and, and was talking to his, his disciples who were already saved. Right? And he's like, hey, yo, more is coming. More is coming. Wait for this. More is coming. Oh, I got to leave, but more is coming. I got to leave, but I'm not leaving you empty. More is coming, right? More is coming. Wait for this promise. Wait for the power. Wait, wait for this gift from God. How many of us are waiting? How many of us have been interceding and waiting for the Lord? And I don't care if it takes you weeks or months. You keep pressing in. Acts 1, we learned that there was 120, around 120 disciples in the upper room. And verse 14 says, they all joined together. They were in one mind. You see, sometimes we sit here, we're not in one mind. We want God to move, but we're not in one mind. Oh, we come with our tradition and all our baggage, and we hope for a great move of God. When people are sitting in this room, and they don't want it. When people are sitting in this room, and they won't praise. And people are sitting in this room, and they just shut up and not going to say anything. Oh, you're not going to tell me what to do, Pastor. No, I don't want to tell you what to do. But I'm encouraging you to take a kneel, a knee in, 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 for God. And, and, and to, to raise your hands for God. It's just a suggestion that you just open yourself up and say, I want to receive more from you. They joined together. They were together constantly in prayer along with the woman and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. So they were not idle while they waited for this gift. They prayed. They constantly prayed and they desired it. Peter then explains this experience further in Acts 2. Beginning at verse 14, then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, addressed the crowd, fellow Jews, and all of you who, believe, who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These men are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. So Peter is basically saying, this is what took place at Pentecost, right? This is what the prophet Joel was talking about that he wrote in his prophetic words, right? This is the pouring out of what was talking about then, right? This is the pouring out from God in church. We are living in those last days. You need to understand it. And yes, oh, it's happened 2,000 years ago, but yes, it's the same as it's the same today. We're still living in that, in that time period because it's not our timing, it's God's timing. We are living in those last days. He's still pouring out his spirit around the world. And this is exactly what Peter's saying. But he didn't understand all the, all the timing of it, right? And the prophet Joel didn't understand all the timing of it. And guess what? So often, we don't understand all the timing of it. But we're living in the last days. And I'm telling you, God wants to pour out his spirit on all of us. I believe that. To those who desire it. To those who long for it. To those who are willing to wait for it. Who wants to be empowered by God. Amen. And he wants to fill us up. He wants us to overflow with his love. He wants to overflow us with his compassion. He wants to overflow us with his goodness. Speaking in tongues is a sign. It's not the power. We need to understand the power and purpose of the spirit baptism. It's really important to understand that the spirit baptism is biblical. You need to stop there and understand it's biblical. Stop, stop saying it's not. Stop acting like it's not. Stop those are strange people. Oh, I want, I'll be as strange as I need to be as long as I'm following God's plan and purpose for my life. And you can, you can, you can sit in your corner and just wham, wham, wham. But I'm telling you, spiritual baptism is biblical. Joel prophesied it and Peter explained it. Moses, if you want to write this down, in Numbers 11 verse 29, desires it for all of us. But Moses replied, are you jealous for my sake? I wish that all the Lord's people were prophets and that the Lord would put his spirit on them. He wished more to come. And when you're filled with the Lord's spirit, you're empowered to witness and, and, and boldly proclaim the good news of Christ. He wants to empower us today. You need to get that in your heart and mind. Spirit baptism is biblical. Jesus told his disciples, wait for it after salvation. 
Peter explains it. Throughout the book of Acts, we see it happening to both Jew and Gentile. And the book of Acts is really showing us the importance of the spirit uh, baptism. And it's meant for, for us as well today as, as it was for them. Acts teaches us how the spirit enabled the early church, right, to, to, to expand the kingdom of God, right? It helped to continue to work of the work of Christ on earth after his ascension. Again, this is for us now to part to be involved in the process. Amen. And this is work, this this work on Pentecost, the spirit baptism is not just a one day, one time event either. As you do further research in scripture, you'll see that after 10 years later, it was still happening. Oh, that was just for the one day. No, 10 years later, it was still happening. God was poured out. The Spirit was poured out on the Gentiles at Cornelius' house, right? Peter reports this in Acts 11, beginning at verse 15. As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit came on them as he came on us in the beginning. Then I remember what the Lord said. John baptized with water after salvation. John baptized with water after salvation. John baptized. But you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So if God gave them the same gift as he gave us, who... Who believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I to think that I could oppose God? Today we have so many Christians opposing God, opposing his gift, opposing his word, opposing his authority, opposing his miracles. They say it's not for us today, but it is. And it follows salvation. Some said it was only to kickstart, jumpstart the early church. Well, I say power up church and grow up. We settle for so much less than what God wants to give us. He wants to give you the more. Stop settling for less. In Acts 19, verse 5 and 7, on hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord. Paul placed hands on them. The Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. They were about 12 men in all. This event happens around 25 years after Pentecost. For those who just said it was a one-day event, right? And it led to a great revival. So this baptism of the Holy Spirit continues for decades. It continues even hundreds of years later. In fact, great revivals have taken place and extraordinary miracles took place during that time. And it lasted for years, right? 1 Corinthians 14, verse 18, Paul says, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. But in the church, I would rather speak five intelligent words to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. Now, time won't allow us to go much deeper in this, but Paul clearly speaks in tongues. He spoke in tongues. He believed in tongues. He's not against it. Spirit baptism is biblical. And there are tongues in your prayer language. It's between you and God. And they're speaking out in tongues to edify the church, right, where interpretation would take place. That is... That is where we silence and say, okay, that's something special. God wants to speak to us. And it might come out in a prophetic word, but it might come out in an interpretation. We had that earlier today where the prophetic word went out first. But sometimes it's a spoken uh, in a tongue, and then the prophetic word comes by that person or by someone else. Tongue's a sign, an indication that you have been baptized in the Holy Spirit. But people can try to talk this away. They just need to go away or get saved. Well, I shouldn't say it that way. You are saved. But you know what? You, if you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you're saved. But you're limiting your power. I don't want to joke on that. Give you the wrong message that people who don't have the spirit of baptism are not saved. You're saved. And there's more for you that God wants. Scripture is so clear on this. It's for us today. More to come. So let me say that. Tongue is a sign. An indication that you received this gift. It is not the power. It is not the gift itself. Sometimes it can happen immediately after salvation. Sometimes you have to wait years or decades. But whatever, that's between you and God. The baptism in the Holy Spirit came after salvation when people desired more from God. When people asking and believing for the gift. I want to go as far as saying that it's not an option. It's a command. You cannot live the life you were called to live and not be baptized in the Holy Spirit. You can't do it. You will always be limited in your work for God. If you start putting the brakes on and say, I don't want any more. I don't want to go deeper with God. You will always be limited to some level. I can't tell you how that's going to work. Why? A supernatural work needs to be met with a supernatural God and supernatural power from on high. 
We cannot conquer the demons and the spiritual battles with natural carnal weapons. It won't work. And that is why many, many believers are weak and in bondage. Remember, water baptism doesn't save you. Jesus does. Spirit baptism doesn't save you. Jesus does. And again, Jesus is the great baptizer. And so it's actually more of a relationship with Jesus in a way than the Holy Spirit. Don't you want more from Jesus? Yes. Don't you want to know him better? Yes. Don't you want all that he has for you? Yes. I know I do. And I think the problem is that people get so caught up in themselves and in the natural realm, they stop making room for his gifts and his spiritual blessings and what he wants to pour out in the spiritual realm, right? They stop seeking and searching for more of him. They need to repent for this. Church, we need to repent for this. Some are seeking more, but they want it in their own parameters. They want it on their own terms. They want more, but only if it fits into their doctrine, only if it fits into their box. They want more as long as it doesn't involve certain gifts or manifestations. They want more as long as it's not those speaking in tongues, right? Or dipping themselves into the Jordan seven times to get their healing and to be cleansed. Process that. The process is simple. You're saved and you immediately receive Christ and the Holy Spirit resides in you. <clears throat> and sometimes later you're filled and you begin to speak in a new language, you speak with other tongues, right? Speaking in tongues, sign, indication. You've been baptized in the Holy Spirit. I, I, want, I want you to get that. It's not the end, more is to come. You immerse yourself in the power of God. You receive the power of God. You go out to witness in a new boldness, right? A new authority, a new power, right? What good is it to have a smartphone that's in your pocket and simply turned off? It only helps when, when you activate it. It only helps when you turn it on. And then if you have no internet access, it's limited again. And many people have Jesus and they're saved. They're going to heaven. And that is great. You have your smartphone. In a way, that's great. But many are not walking in power. They're not walking in the authority. They're not walking in the strength. They're not walking in the purposes that he has really called you and designed you. They're barely making it. Many are not listening to the Holy Spirit. And they're not listening to his, his, his word. But they're listening to the world. They listen to the world agenda. They're doing things that the world wants them to do, right? Many are disobedient to his words and therefore lacking power to witness and to live rightly. We need to power up church. And because of this, it's impossible to fight the spiritual battles in your life that you're facing, right? We are victors. But how do we be victors if we keep putting God on the side? We're doing everything else but, but following God's words and God's calling. And that power, that baptism, that power is to help you combat sin in your life. And the problems that you're going through, right? We need Jesus and we need help. In church, we need to be full of the Spirit. We need a daily dose of it every day. Now, Jesus won the war. He conquered Satan in the grave. So we ultimately are victors. I get that. But there's still battles raging. And I will tell you, you know this through experience. There's still battles in your life, right? Battles for you. Battles for your loved ones. Battle for your family and friends. Battle for others. We know this, right? And because very often we haven't powered up. We haven't waited for our outpouring because we don't believe it's today. But I'm telling you, when you're spirit baptized, you can, you can it's going to help you. It's gonna, it's gonna, it's, you're gonna have more strength, right? We haven't powered up. Jesus told us, wait, wait for it. He told us we can expect this. He's not gonna force himself on us, but we are to continue, continually pray and seek more. Now listen up, when you're saved, and I believe this, your natural tongue starts to change, right? You start speaking differently. You start speaking God's words. You start sounding differently as you mature in your faith. In the natural, it should change. So why is it strange when our spiritual voice starts to change? Your spiritual tongue changes. Your language changes. And you start communicating with God at a, at a deeper level, at a different level. God, God starts operating with you, right? A higher frequency. And you start becoming more intimate with God, a different level. Getting the power of God and operating in his gifts is so important and vital for everyday journey. Jesus commands his disciples, wait for this. They're saved. Wait for this. But still more is to come. The power is to anoint your ministry and life. To make you more effective as believers. To make you more effective in Jesus Christ. To make you more effective in your calling, right? Without the power, you're limited in the battle. You're limited in your walk. You're limited in the work that you do. God, 
Jesus has more for us. Jesus told his disciples, wait. Both Old and New Testament speaks about the coming of, of the Spirit. We're to power up church. We need to be charged up church. Continue to be filled up church. If it takes days or weeks or years, don't, don't you give up. You keep seeking God, seeking his presence, going deeper with him, asking him to fill you. Sometimes it just takes bold steps of faith. Step out. Step forward. Do something different than you've been doing. Trust God. Many of you have the gifts. But the batteries are dead. Many of you allow pride to get in the way. And then you clam up and shut up. Or your mind and your thinking simply gets in the way. Because you're operating in the natural, not in the spiritual realm. So you stop. And you shut it down. Well, that's not me. I don't know what that was. Operate your faith. Many have a flutter of words that are coming into their heart and their mind. And they think it's an natural man. But the spirit, spirit of God wants to move. The Spirit of God wants to loosen your tongue. The Spirit of God wants you to be a bold proclaimer of Jesus Christ. And life is going to be harder without the Spirit baptism. Trust me in this. I heard it said this way. He doesn't call us to do human things, but superhuman things. And when the Holy Spirit shows up in a powerful way, action takes place. The atmosphere starts changing. We start changing, right? So without the Spirit baptism, we lack. We are to trust Him. We are to praise Him. We are to serve Him. We are to do whatever He has called us to do. And personally, I want everything that Jesus has for me. How about you? Let's power up church. Let's believe and let's ask God to pour out His Spirit on all of us and make us bold witnesses as we press in more for God. Oh Jesus, I ask that you will start baptizing people with your Holy Spirit today, tomorrow, and the next day. Pour out your Spirit, oh God. Pour out your Spirit in our hearts. Pour out your Spirit in our homes. Lord, right now, start, start the battle that's happening in our mind, oh God. I ask you to, to, to intervene, oh God, and, and Holy Spirit, come and convict us. Holy Spirit, illuminate our hearts and our minds. Holy Spirit, come and start pouring out your Spirit on us. Oh, may we crave the Holy Spirit. May we desire more of you. Oh God, give us, give us more of you, oh God, as we praise you, as we, as we enter into more, oh God. Lord, help us to press in more and more and more. Pour out your Spirit, oh God. Pour out your spirit. Pour out your spirit, oh God. Would you stand? These altars are open. We're going to start believing and praying that God is going to move. If you want if you want us to lay hands and pray for you, we will do it. If you want to pray alone, that's fine. But just take a few minutes. And I'm telling you right now, hearts need to be open to receive from Jesus. Too many of us are walking in our own traditions, in our own ways. We need more of Jesus. We need more to come. And we need the baptism of the Holy Spirit to fill us up like never before. Let's, let's worship the Lord in this song.
Amen.